Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. Copy God's Word, which you find the book of Galatians, chapter 3. We are continuing our verse-by-verse study through the book of Galatians. If you're new to the Bible, the book of Galatians is in the second half of your Bible. Uh, we actually also um, are tied in with a Bible app called the, the Bible app, and so the YouVersion Bible app, you can download that, and you can hit the bottom right button where it just says more and then you go to events and you can find paradigm and follow along with us that way as well. I'm so excited you made the decision to get here tonight and uh, I don't know if you're anything like me but uh, when it comes to rules and like uh, laws and things like that I'm a little bit of a um, like a, a rebel. I don't know if you um, see it in the life and in the world and like when it comes to rules like those those are meant to be challenged at least maybe broken. Is that anybody here? I don't know if that's any, anybody, any rebels? Okay, good. All right, so that, anyway, so me, I, I uh, grew up and I, I just was kind of like, well, those are good suggestions. And uh, so when it came for me to start driving, this didn't work out real well. Like there was a particular day where um, I got pulled over and I was in high school and, uh, and it wasn't good uh, because I had broken a lot of rules, come to find out. Anyway, I was going to get my license plates uh, like fixed and renewed or whatever it is. And so I'm driving this Jeep and I, I see a police officer. And so I check my speedometer and like I'm going the right mileage or whatever and anyway but the the red and blue lights they, they come on he pulls me over and and he says do you know why you're getting pulled over today and I was like I have no idea actually he said well um you were speeding and I was like well I'm I'm a little confused because my speedometer said this and he's like well a lot of times when you have bigger tires on a on a vehicle it changes the speed of the vehicle and I just put like these big mud tires I don't know why but I put them on there uh, on my jeep and it, and it changed my speedometer and everything was off and then and then the officer proceeded to start asking like a bunch of personal questions you know I don't know if you're an officer here and you ask a lot of personal questions. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, questions like, do you have a driver's license on you? You know? And I was like, well, <laughs> no, sir, I don't actually. And he's like, I need to see proof of insurance. I was like, hey, hey, easy. All right. And I uh, didn't have insurance on me. And so um, he just started uh, going around to the backside of my vehicle and started writing down the license number because he needed to run my license number. And I, and I just had to say, uh, uh, um, officer, sorry, uh, you may want to write down the license plate on the front of the car. Uh, that one, they're, they're, I got two different license plates on my car. And, um, and so th- that one's, I think, the more accurate one. And uh, anyway, so like I had broken like 17 different laws. He should have arrested me. And then, you know, came out the question like, aren't you supposed to be in school? And I was like, yeah, I am supposed to be in school, um, but I needed to go. And I got, a, I got off with a warning. Seriously, isn't that crazy? Like I should have got a ticket for something, right? I literally didn't have a license, I didn't have registration, I didn't have insurance, I was speeding, and I was skipping school. And I got mercy that day. Now, you would think that one would you know, receive such a dose of mercy from an officer and just be forever reformed and changed, and like, like I would never break another traffic law again, you know, like you would think that I would just have like changed everything in my life because I got such a great deal of mercy, but that's not what happened. I didn't do that. I didn't become a better driver, and you didn't either. You probably had something like this happen to you too, right? Been pulled over before, and at some point in your life, maybe you got a, you got a warning, and you, you received mercy, and you think it was going to make you a better driver, but it really didn't make you a better driver. And here's kind of what I've learned from all of that, that, um, that laws don't make better drivers. You know, when you know the laws and 
and you think that you're going to do the laws really, really good, that's, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a good driver. And I'll start there tonight because here, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how laws, how they don't, they don't really fix people. And now we're not talking about traffic laws tonight, uh, but we are talking about God's law. And what we're going to see is that God's given us some laws, and God's law, they exist to regulate our behavior, but inevitably, we're going to break those laws out of ignorance of those laws or just out of flat negligence of those laws. And when it comes to God's law, I think some of us are aware of some of God's law, like we've heard of the Big Ten, right? The Ten Commandments. You know, thou, thou shalt not steal, you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't commit adultery, and so on and so forth. But when you look in the Bible, there are over 600 laws that God has made clear in the Old Testament. 600. 600 laws, okay? So, like, that's two a day, just about, you know, one and a half a day. And, uh, and, and like, we're, no doubt, we've broken some of those laws today, right? Just out of ignorance. We don't, we don't know all those laws. And then there's some that we know really, really clearly and, and we've broken those just out of pure negligence. And so one could conclude that, that these laws, they're, they're meant to be broken. If we don't know all of them and we can't do all of them, then maybe God gave them so that they would be broken. But as you read the Bible, you'll come to this conclusion and you'll come to understand that the laws aren't meant to be broken, but rather they're meant to show us our brokenness. That God's given us laws so that we would understand our need for his mercy and his grace. And we all want mercy, right? Like when I share with you that I got off with a warning, a verbal warning and no ticket, some of y'all were happy for me. You're like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. And if I heard your story of, of grace and of a second chance, I would be thinking, wow, let's go, that's amazing. And like, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I want mercy. Like when that officer said, I'm not gonna write you a ticket, I was like, oh, there is a God. Thank you so much, right? And I was forgiven, it was amazing, and I love mercy. And more than likely, you love mercy too. You love grace, and I'm just so grateful that when we come in here to this space and we open up God's word, we find a God that, that he totes the line, but also he's a God that gives mercy. He's a God that gives grace. And if you don't know much about the God of the Bible, he, he's not some mean lightning and thunder type God alone, but God is a God of justice. But listen, God is a God of love. God is a God of grace. God is a God of second chances. Th this could be the best day of your life because it could be the beginning of you living a new life for some of you in Christ. And that's the type of God that we serve. Now, there's, a, uh, there's been this pattern in my life where, and maybe you could relate to this, where I've, I've kind of seen the rules of God and I've kind of seen them in, in relationship to the mercy of God and his forgiveness and I've, I've just kind of ran away from the rules once I got God's forgiveness and his grace. Like, like I, I want God's grace, but oftentimes there's been seasons in my life where I really don't want his government in my life. Where I, I want like God's mercy and God, would you forgive me of this thing that I've done? But then there's all of these mandates that he lays out. I'm like, I, I don't really want those. I, I, God, I want your love in my life, but I don't want your law in my life. And so there's been this, this tendency in my life where I, like I've go, gone to God and said, God, would you forgive me of my sin? And then, and then like the next, maybe before the sun went down, I went back to the sin that I was praying that he would forgive me from. And I kind of created this sort of weird relationship with God where I was like, man, God's good at grace and forgiveness. I'm good at sin and like messing up. Like, so if I just mess up and then he gives me grace, like we just work this thing out. And so like I just, I, I abused the grace of God, and I turned his grace into a license to sin. 
And so sometimes like we're like, well, I, I've got God's grace and I've got a relationship with him. I don't need any of the rules. And then there's other times in my life where I've really been like truly broken over my sin. And I've had these moments where I've drawn lines in the sand. I said, no more am I going to go back to that thing. And when it comes to God's laws and his rules, I've ran towards them. And I've almost even over, overcompensated in that sense. And what I mean is that I, I've kind of drawn lines in the sand, been broken over my sin, and, and asked for the forgiveness and the love of God. And then I started learning all of his laws, thinking that I needed to, like, by my sheer grit and determination, really obey those laws really, really good. And there was this kind of, like, I think God loves me more mentality. Like, if I, if I do all of these extra things, I'm like, I kind of walk with a spiritual swagger a little bit. Because I'm like, I'm, I'm like really, really on the varsity Christian team now. And, and I've seen the rules of God in some seasons where I just want to run away from them and I think I can have a relationship with God. And then I've seen the rules of God in, in, in some seasons where I've, I've ran to them and clung on to the rules and not really had a relationship with God, but thought I was something because I was doing those rules really, really well. And it can just be kind of confusing. Like when it comes to God's law and it comes to like his promises of his grace and his mercy, there can be a lot of confusion around them. And tonight I want to talk about how we bring those two things together, and the scripture is gonna talk about that relationship tonight. If, I, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Uh, the title of tonight's message is, What's the Purpose of the Law? What's the Purpose of the Law? And I wanna talk about the promises of God. I wanna talk about one of the purposes of the law, and I wanna talk about how you can live walking in freedom before you leave here tonight. Now, when it came to the law, Paul, the guy that wrote this letter to the Galatian churches, like, like he was an expert. Like when it came to the law, Paul said of himself, he was flawless. And so all the 600 laws I just talked about, you could go to Paul and be like, Paul, uh, law number 473. And then he would quote it. And he would tell you, yeah, I did that last, you know, last night or whatever. Like Paul, he knew the law. And Paul, for most of his life, he looked to the law as a means by which he could have right standing before God. And so he had this mentality that God gave me the law, and my job is to learn the law in such a way where I can memorize it, where I can stew on it, and where I can like walk it out to the best of my ability. And eventually, if I do the law good enough, God will see how like, determined I am to do this law, and I'll have life and life abundantly. And then Paul met Jesus. And Jesus, he interrupted Paul's mission in life. And Jesus said, all the things that you're looking for and all the ways that you're trying to give yourself purpose and meaning in your life, those are only gonna be found in a right relationship with me. And Jesus, he, he revealed to Paul that Paul could only find life, the life that he was looking for abundantly and eternally in a relationship with Christ. Like Jesus, he said some crazy things. Now he said some things like this, that, that you can only know God through him. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that I've come to this world to seek and to save the lost, not to condemn the world, but to seek and to save them. And when it comes to the law, Jesus said that I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to take down all of the law. I didn't come to do away with it, but I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. That Jesus, he came to give us life and life abundantly. And Paul's writing this letter to a group of people that it confused what Jesus came to do. And Paul's letting them know that you're looking to the wrong things to find what only Jesus can give you. So Jesus, he came to do all of these things. Like if, if Jesus was a driver, he didn't come to tear down all of the street signs. If Jesus was a, a driver, he didn't come to tear down all of the speed limit signs. He came to be the perfect driver and to obey the laws perfectly so that by faith we could have his driving record. 
And Paul, he jumps in to this relationship between the law and the promises of God. And here's what it says in Galatians 3, starting in verse 15. Paul says, dear brothers and sisters. Now, if you've been tracking with us for a little bit, we started last week with Paul saying this, you foolish Galatians, who bewitched you, all right? Like, like he, he came at their necks strong. Now, he's changed his tone a little bit. And Paul, I think he's got a little EQ. He's got a little awareness of how some of the things that he said, how they've come across and been a little bit aggressive. And so he's kind of backpedaled a little bit. And he says, guys, 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 you're like my family. Like, Bro, sis. And he says, dear brothers and sisters. He says, here's an example from everyday life. I love that Paul uses a sermon illustration here. He says this, just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. And he goes on to explain what it means. He he says, God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children, as if it meant many descendants, rather it says to his child. And that, of course, Paul, is, he's, he's decoding what he's saying. He says, and that, of course, that means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement that God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. Now, Abraham's this guy that Paul's already introduced. And remember, if you were here last week, Abraham's like one of their guys. So Paul, he's trying to correct some things that, is, that has taken place in these churches and has gotten some things twisted. And so what Paul's doing is he, he's, he's taking one of their guys, the, the false teacher's guys, Abraham, and he's saying, let me, let me set some things straight. And he's talking about Abraham and Moses. Now, this passage that we're talking about tonight, it is pregnant with all types of uh, former things that has taken place, and it's got all all this sort of uh, different layers going on and all of that stuff. And, and there's a lot of things that we just don't catch because we're not Jewish and we don't know the Bible like these guys knew the Bible. And so if you want to know more about Abraham, more about this guy named Moses, you're going to have to go back and read the first five books of your Bible to get caught up. And that would be an incredible use of your time. But Paul, when he's writing and he's talking about Abraham and Moses, everyone there, they would have been nodding their heads. They would have been tracking with the two people that he's talking about. Now, Abraham, he was like the father of the faith, and Moses was the guy that God brought, God brought the law primarily through. And these guys, they lived it's centuries apart from one another. But when you read the Bible as one chronological book, you see how these things start working together. And what had happened was, is they said, well, when, when the stuff came for Moses, that negated what happened with Abraham. And Paul said, no, 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 that's not what happened. He goes on in verse 18, here's what he says. He says, for if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Put number one, if you're taking notes tonight, you could write this down, the promise. The promise. Paul, he's continuing to clarify how we can be made right with God. Again, I've told you that Paul, he's just gonna, he's gonna spiral in the gospel. If you're new to church, the gospel, it's the, it's the main message of the Bible. It literally means the good news. And it's in reference to the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension and the soon return of Jesus and how that has implications in our life. And what the gospel tells us is that we're hopelessly lost, but we're desperately loved in Christ. And if we wanna be right with our maker, it's only gonna come through a right relationship with Jesus. And so Paul, he's saying, like, remember the promise was given to Abraham. That, that, he's, that he's writing this letter because there were people that thought that you needed to like obey all of God's law and ask Jesus to save you and have a relationship with you in order to be right with God. Like, like the people, they were okay with Jesus, they just thought that you had to be Jewish as well. They had this kind of Jesus and mentality when it came to salvation. And what we've said all along is that Paul, he's fighting 
for this truth that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I don't know if you come in here tonight and, and you have this Jesus plus or Jesus and mentality. A, a lot of people, they think, well, yeah, you got to have Jesus, but, but you also need to have religion. And so what makes someone right with God is that they, they go to church or a certain type of church. Uh, and, and what makes someone right with God is that they got Jesus, but they also give charitable donations. Uh, what makes someone right with God is that they've spoken in some special tongue and they have Jesus. What makes someone right with God is that they, that they go to a certain place and, and they do a certain thing. They speak a certain language. What makes someone right with God is that, yeah, yeah, you need Jesus, but you also got to get this thing too. And Paul's saying, all we need in order to be right with God is Jesus. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And these people, they were like, yeah, believe in Jesus, but you need to obey all of these laws again. Uh, they were saying that the, the promise that God made to Abraham, that, that kind of sort of held things together until Moses came and gave us the law. And then once Moses came and gave us the law, we had to perform that law to the best of our ability in order to be right with God. And Paul's saying that this doesn't nullify that. Again, in verse 15, he says, let me use an example. He starts talking about a contract, and he connects that contract to 17 to make his point. Here's what he said in 17 again. He says, the agreement made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. And, and get this. Here's what, here's what the word of God says tonight. God would be breaking his promise. And here's what you need to get, Paradigm. God cannot break his promise, all right? If God could break his promise and go back on his word, we've got some problems here tonight, okay? Like we should just pack up and go home. If God can break his, if God says something and he doesn't mean it, then we just need to leave because he's not worth our worship. If God, if God could break his promises, then why would we continue to encourage people with the promises of God? And what Paul's saying is when God says something, when he puts something in motion, that settles it. He's not going back on it. That God's reputation is on the line, and God means what he says, and God brings to pass his promises. And that's good news for us tonight. And Paul, he, he's thoroughly explaining what makes you right with God is not your ability to obey God. What makes you right with God is your faith in God. Listen, your salvation is not determined by your determination. This isn't white knuckle, do the religious thing, and I'm going to somehow just kind of get and work my way into heaven. That when you read the scriptures, what makes someone right with God, it is faith alone, in Christ alone, and that's what saves you alone. Jesus plus nothing equals everything for salvation. That ultimately, salvation, uh, you're either in one of two camps. You're, you're in a performance camp, you're trying to earn your way for salvation, or you're in a promise camp, you're just receiving what's been given to you for salvation. The, the promise camp, if that's you, then what you've said is that I believe in what Jesus has done for me, and that's what gives me right standing before God. This is a very secure place, a very life-giving place, because you rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Uh, the other camp is, is that I've got I've to perform and, and I've got to work hard and, and I've got to achieve my salvation. And this is a very exhausting place, a very insecure place, and it's a very, I don't know if I've done enough to be right with God because I know me. And if God's standard is perfect, I fall short every time. But have I done enough? Which camp are you in? 
Are you clinging on to the promises of God or are you looking to some other means by which you can have right standing before God? Are you resting secured in the finished work of Jesus Christ because you put your faith in him? Or are you striving and trying to prove that you're lovely in God's sight? Which camp are you in? Paul, he's writing this letter to us tonight. This is reading our mail. What he's saying is that you cannot earn a promise. You cannot earn God's love. You simply receive the love of God and you stand covered in the right standing and the righteousness of Christ. Maybe, but maybe you're like, okay, then why, why we got all the law then? Like, if it's all about Christ and me just put my belief in him, like, why do we have this law? Like, if you don't have to obey God's law in order to be right with him, then what's the purpose of the law? Like, shouldn't we just tear it out of the Bible and get rid of it? Well, Paul, he anticipates that we would ask that question. Here's what he said in verse 19. He says, why then was the law given? It's a great question, Paul. He says, it was given alongside the promise, note this, to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. That God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. And now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave the promise to Abraham. Point number two, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. The law. The law. Paul, what he's saying is that one of the purposes of the law was simply to point out the sins in our life. That God gave the law so that we could be diagnosed in our dysfunction. Like the law came to, to tell us about our sin, not about salvation. And why is that so important? Because in order for you really to appreciate good news, you first gotta really wrestle with bad news. Like, let me explain it this way. My mom, she's a breast cancer survivor. Come on. You know, and she's healthy. She's alive. She had to sing this weekend. It was awesome. Yeah, go ahead and clap. Amen. And, uh, and, and, and if you were to go up to my mom, like, you know, a week before she ever went to the, the doctor and got her diagnosis, and you were to say, Vicky, Vicky, I've got good news, she'd probably step back a little bit. Say, okay, you know, she's got good personal skills. So she, what's your name? What, what's the good news? And you say, Vicky, you're healthy. She would say, well, great. And she'd probably just have a normal day because she thought she was healthy. See, when you really don't have a diagnosis and you don't have bad news, when someone's trying to give you good news, you really can't appreciate the good of the good news. And so it's kind of just like news, neither good nor bad. But once my mom went through the diagnosis and heard those words, you have cancer, you're positive. And she started wrestling with her own immortality or her own mortality, excuse me. And she started thinking, oh my gosh, I'm gonna die someday. I haven't even got to see my grandchildren and all of the stuff that comes in your mind when you get that type of devastating news. Once she started wrestling with that diagnosis and then went to MD Anderson and went through all of the cancer treatment and all of the surgeries and, and the epic saga of going through cancer, if you've ever been through that. And once she's been through all of the darkness and all of the, the difficulty, and the doctor comes in and says, Vicki, Vicki, I've got good news. Now she's eager for the good news. What is it, doc? You're healthy. Now we have reason for celebration, right? Because she understood the darkness and the depth of the diagnosis and the bad news, she was primed and eager and ready and hopeful for the good of the good news. How long has it been since you've 
really considered your sin before a holy God. Maybe you come here and you don't know many of the expectations of God. Let me just kind of give you a couple of God's laws and we'll just see where you, where you fit on the spectrum of being able to do those well or not. Well, one of God's laws is that you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't murder anybody. So just real quick, have you ever murdered somebody? Some people would say, well, no, I've never murdered anybody. When Jesus steps onto the scene, he says this, that God looks at the intentions of a man's heart. And so Jesus said, you've heard it said, you shouldn't commit a murder. And Jesus said, but I say to you, if you've had hatred in your heart, then it's as if you've committed murder before God's eyes. And so maybe a better way of asking the question, have you ever murdered somebody, would be, have you ever had hatred in your heart towards somebody? And if you have, then by God's law, what does that make you? It makes you a murderer. Or here's another law of God. Have you ever lied? You know, it says do not give false testimony. Do not tell a lie. You ever told a lie before? Some of y'all are thinking, I don't think so. That's a lie. Yeah, you have. Okay. Yeah, we've all told lies before. Some ignorant, some willful. And so if you've told a lie, you've broken one of God's laws. What does that make you? makes you a liar. Or here's another one of God's commandments. I'm just going to give you three out of the 600. Um, thank God, right? <laughs> so we're just going to do three. Uh, another one is uh, do not commit adultery. Have you ever committed a- adultery before? Adultery is when you do something sexual with someone that's not your spouse. And again, Jesus, he steps onto the scene and he says, you've heard it said, do, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you've had lust in your heart, towards someone before God's eyes, according to God's law, his standard, you've committed adultery. If you've had lust in your heart, then you've committed adultery. What does that make you? It makes you an adulterer. And so everyone in the room, when it comes to God's law before a holy and righteous God, here's what we've all said collectively, that we are a bunch of murderers, liars, and adulterers. that the law, it diagnoses our dysfunction. And maybe we just call it struggles, maybe we call it mistakes, but the scripture, the, the scripture calls it sin. And we've broken the law of God. And the law is given so that it can pinpoint the problems in our heart. It says in verse 19, it says that the law was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. Uh, this word sin, maybe in your Bible, is translated transgressions. The Bible, it, it categorizes sin into sin, transgression, and iniquity. Sin is, is things that we just kind of do out of ignorance. It's mistakes. I didn't mean to. That was an accident, but it was a sin. Transgression is when we know the rules and we still choose to disobey the rules. That's what a transgression is. And iniquity is kind of like this draw towards some sort of dysfunctional, sinful behavior. Paul, he uses the word transgression. It literally in the Greek is the word parabasis. It means to go over. It means I know the law, but I'm willingly going to exceed the law. Um, I, I have a tendency to transgress the speed limit. You know, I mean, I don't know if you're anything like me, but when I see the speed limit sign, I'm like, that's the minimum I'm going, you know? And, uh, and, and, and I'm like, I think you get nine over, you know, that sort of thing. And like, when I think about that, I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, is 75 not fast enough, you know, or whatever it is? Is 35 not fast enough? And there's something in my heart that when I see the rule, I think that I can, I can, you know, just kind of go beyond it. 
And, it, you know, it's not hurting anybody. You know, that's kind of a mentality that I have at times. And then there's other times where I, I know the law and I just choose to break it. You know, I'm like, man, I got to get this email sent off. So I'm cruising, you know, and I'm like, this is really important. You know, if I don't get them this email, then, whoa, people are going to not get it that soon, you know? And so, like, I'll text and drive. I'll email and drive. And, I, and I'll, in my mind, I'll be like, well, you know, it's okay because, you know, like, I got stuff to do, you know? Like, I'll justify why it's okay for me to break the law. Now, I'm not bragging in any way. I'm just sharing with you that there's something broken inside of me. When I see laws, there's a tendency for me just to go a little bit beyond that law and think to myself, well, it's not hurting anybody. And, and I, I know what it says, but I'm just going to go a little bit beyond it. It's not hurting anybody. It's all good. And then there's other times where I'll see the law and I'll think, you know what? I deserve to break this law because that law's dumb. And I've got to get stuff done. And like, if they just knew, and I'll explain to the officer, like I'm running late and I got to, you know, that sort of thing. And oftentimes I'll see the law that way. And what I've come to find out that that part of my heart that sees a speed limit sign like that, it has, I have a tendency to see God's law like that too. You know, like I, I know God's word says to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But I think, you know what? I'm just gonna go a little bit beyond that. I'm not gonna be like, I'm not gonna be a narcissist, said every narcissist. You know, I'm not gonna be a narcissist, you know, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do me. You know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have my way. I'm not, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be selfish. I know God's word says that I need to avoid sexual immorality, but, you know, man, I got needs and, you know, is this really porn or is it not? I'm not real sure, but I'm going to watch it anyway. And it's not hurting anybody. You know, this is better than whatever. And, and I'm just going to look at pornography and I'm just going to please myself and I'm just, you know, that I'm just, you know, I'm just, just beyond. Well, I know God's word says that I need to be marked by self-control, but, but I'm just going to go a little bit beyond that, and I'm going to overdrink this weekend. I, I'm going to overeat. It's just another taco. I've already had 17, but it's just another one, right? I'm going to over-scroll. You know, I've already been on Instagram. Like, it's starting to repeat stuff, right? You know, I'm back, I'm back in 2021 now, right? And I'm just going to overindulge. And, and it's not hurting anybody. And we think that we can just transgress the laws of God and we justify it because it's not hurting anybody or we'll justify it and say, well, God will understand, you know? Like, I mean, God, God he knows that we're married in our hearts. And so I'm gonna come in here and I'm gonna sing about the praises of God and then I'm gonna go live like I'm married, but I'm really not. But God will understand. And, and like, we, we love each other. God loves love and so therefore, and we'll create categories where we'll justify our sin. We know that the word of God says that we're to be people that forgive one another. But we'll say to God, well, God, you don't know what they did to me. And God, you don't, you don't know and you don't understand. And so I deserve to be bitter in this relationship. And we'll seek to justify or, or we'll, we'll go to the office and we'll just complain at the office and we know that we're not supposed to have a complaining spirit. We'll read that in God's word, but, but we'll think that we can transgress God's word 
and that God will understand because he sees how difficult your boss is. He sees how difficult your situation is. And somehow God, he, like, he, like he's holy and stuff, and he's got his laws and all that, but, but, but we're going to put those to the side for you and your situation. Have you considered your sin lately before a holy and righteous God? I've got some bad news tonight, Paradigm. Bad news pertaining to myself. I am a sinner. And I've got bad news for you too. You are a sinner. You have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. You have transgressed his law. And some of you, you've done that out of ignorance. There are things that we do all the time that, that, that we just don't know. That, that, well, that's not right, and, and I figured that out. You know, I learned that that was wrong. Oh, I, I, I shouldn't do that again. But I think that many of you are here tonight, and there are things that you know are sinful. There are things that you know are displeasing to God, and you've created some sort of category in your mind where it's okay for you to willingly disobey God. And the law is given to us to diagnose our dysfunction. And that one of the purposes of God's law is to point out our sin. The law has come to diagnose us. It's come to give language to the lawlessness that exists inside of our heart. And Paul's saying that we don't do the law in order to be right with God, but rather the law, it exposes what's not right in our heart before a holy God. That's why we have the law, one of the reasons. Paul, he goes on in verse 21, he says this, is there a conflict? Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not, he says. He says, I, I can see it, it's clear as day for Paul. And he's trying to help them understand, this is how these two things work together. He says that the law could give us new life, then we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. He's saying there's nothing that we can do in regard to the law in obeying it that's gonna give us right standing before God. So he says this, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes tonight, you can write this down, the freedom, the freedom. Uh, Paul, he's reminding them that freedom only comes from Christ. Like he, he's doing this by clarifying the relationship between God's law and God's promise. Like he's saying like we are unable to perfectly keep God's law. Therefore, God's law will never be a pathway to salvation. He, he says here, we're prisoners of sin in verse 22. That you and I, we cannot be righteous enough. We cannot do enough to earn right standing before God. Like I think there's a part of us that are kind of hoping for like a, a spiritual deferred adjudication. Y'all know what that is? You ever heard that term? Deferred adjudication? I'd never heard that word, but I got into another accident when I was in high school. And, um, and I, was, I was driving my Jeep again, and somebody slammed on their brakes in front of me, and, uh, and I started slamming on my brakes, and I was like, off-road, <laughs> because I was about to rear-end this car, and so I, I went off-road, because it's a Jeep, you know, and so I went off-road, always looking for reasons to do that. And, and, I, and I get back on the road, and then a police officer, I guess he saw all this, and he winds up giving me a ticket, uh, for reckless driving. I was like, I should be awarded for like saving lives, you know? But anyway, I get a ticket this time and, and I heard about this thing called deferred adjudication. I thought, I thought well, let, yeah, let's do that. And what deferred adjudication is, is that you apply for that and you go on like a 90-day probation period. And if you don't get any citations in that 90-day window, 
then they completely wipe your record clean and that ticket is not on your record. And I thought, man, I'm only like 17. I don't need a ticket on my record because it's going to make my insurance that I didn't have at the time go up. You know what I'm saying? And so I was like, whatever I need to do to get it off my record. And so I said, sign me up for deferred adjudication. And so I went 90 days and I was 10 and 2, y'all. You know, I, was, I wasn't messing with the CD deck. That's back in the day when we had CD decks. Anyway, so 10 and 2, you know, no, no music. And I'm just like, you know, I'm on the speed limit, five under, 90 days. I'm, I'm walking the line, y'all. Because they said if you get a ticket during that 90-day probation, it's not good. And so anyway, I made it 90 days on probation, no citations, and it wiped my record clean. Deferred adjudication. Now, I think a lot of us, we, we are hoping that God kind of has like a deferred adjudication plan. Like, so here's what I see happen. That people will come into this space and they'll be like, they'll be at a crisis moment in their life, you know, like they just got their heart broken. Uh, they, they just moved to town. Uh, they, they're trying to get sober. Uh, they, they just got kicked out. I mean, whatever, there's some sort of crisis going on in a lot of people's lives, so they come to a place like this, and they're like, well, maybe, maybe God's trying to get my attention. He probably is. And so they'll come in and they'll say, God, I, I just need, I need forgiveness, I need your love, I need your amazing grace, I need hope, and so like they'll get right with God, and what they think is like, all right, I'm going to get right with God, and then me and God, we're going to be like a probation period. And so, like, I'm going to make a 90-day promise to not look at any porn. I'm going to make a 90-day promise to sober up. I'm going to make a 90-day promise to get in right relationships with my family. I'm going to make a 90-day promise, whatever it is. And we think that God's going to see our sincerity for 90 days, and then he's going to be like, wow, three months. Holy Spirit, Jesus, let's huddle up. Let's wipe the record clean. And, and people will come in, and they'll tie in for a little while, and then they'll cut loose when they feel like their record is wiped clean, only to get back in the same dysfunction again. Thinking that all God wants from you is for you to clean up your act for a little while, and then you don't need him anymore. But that's not the goal of the gospel. The goal of the gospel is that you would have a robust, multi-layered, beautiful relationship with the holy Almighty, magnificent, wonderful God that would impact your every day, that would impact your every moment, your every thought. The goal is not for you to kind of get your act together, get caught doing something wrong, and then go on some sort of moral probation period, and that God's just going to kind of wipe it clean. That's not what's going on here. And the scripture is going to great lengths to say that you are you're a prisoner to sin. And the only way for you to get liberated from that prison, the only way for you to find freedom from that prison, you're not gonna Shawshank this thing, guys. You're not gonna be able to kind of buy your morality, dig a tunnel out of that thing. The only way you can be liberated from this prison is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul tells us, he says this, that the, that the promise of God of freedom, it only comes by believing in Christ Jesus. Paul, he, he goes on in the last few verses of, of this section of God's word. He, he likens law to a guard, and he also likens law to a tutor. And what he's doing is he's clarifying the purpose of the law even more. He's saying the law, it's like a guard. The law, it's like a tutor. And the law, it's, 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 it's like these things, but he never says that the law is like a savior. 
Paul's making it abundantly clear that the law, we're not meant to do away with it. The law was given by God to protect us like a guard. The law was given by God to direct us like a tutor. And the law was given by God like an x-ray machine to diagnose our dysfunction. The law, it was given by God, not too dissimilar from traffic laws. Like when you understand traffic laws, like you understand they're meant to protect us, right? And they're meant to direct us. But traffic laws are not meant to make us better drivers per se, intrinsically. They're simply there to manage the traffic. And the law is given by God to protect us, to direct us, but it can't change our heart. God's law is not God's son. That freedom only comes through Jesus Christ. And the reason why God gave us his law is so that we would long for his love. That apart from the law of God, most of us would never ever crave the love of God. That God, his law, it's an act of God's love. Because if we never acknowledge our brokenness of God's law, then we would never long for God's love. That God's love, listen, is what we need for eternity. That the freedom that can only be found in Christ is what we need forever. And Jesus came to bring that freedom by fulfilling the law and fulfilling the promise that Jesus, he obeyed the law perfectly. That Jesus, he died and he completely fulfilled God's promise. And the question tonight is, have you received him? See, the diagnosis that God's word gives us tonight, it's devastating. That the wages of sin leads to death, y'all. That there's something that's not right inside of us. And the scripture would say, man, it is sin. That we were born spiritually dead. The diagnosis, it's devastating. But the prescription is promising. That the wages of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is not a better life. It's not a new life. It's not a, it's not a fresh start, per se. What the word of God says, it's eternal life that begins the moment you step into a right relationship with Christ. The diagnosis is devastating. The prescription is promising, but you have to be willing. And have you willingly received the freedom that can only be found in Christ? And I would love for you to do that tonight. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for your truth, and I thank you for how it, how it reads us, how it shapes us. God, I thank you that, that sandwiched together in this passage wasn't just a message of law, and judgment and conviction, but a message that put together the promises of God, the profound truth that we can be free in Christ, along with the devastating news that we are a prisoner to sin. And so God, if there's somebody here that's stuck in a prison, I pray that they would receive your promise. God, I pray that they would cry out to you in their own way that they would admit that they're a sinner, that they would admit that they've transgressed your law, both ignorantly and willingly. God, that they would, they would acknowledge that before a holy and righteous God that, that the diagnosis isn't good. And Holy Spirit, I pray that they would lean upon their, their, their belief in you, that they would cast their faith 
upon Jesus Christ and him crucified and raised from the grave as the only hope for their salvation. And that they would confess you as the boss of their life and, and the Lord of their life. And they wouldn't see the law as something they should run from. They wouldn't see the law as something they should run to. But they would see your love compelling them into a right relationship with you. And then they would see your law as a guard and a tutor. Meant to protect them and direct them. And that they would seek to obey you because they love you. Because they know you. And I pray that if they don't know you, God, I pray that today would be the day. That they would come and put their faith and trust in you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.